This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Might not be so much parading today for, for I won't say disaster, because when God speaks to you, it's really a disaster, is it? That's meant to be a good thing, right? But I was preparing this word, and, um, and it was something I've never done before. I've actually gone back and revisited a message I gave um, over four years ago. And you know when, um, oh, I'm a bit undone by that prayer and that worship. So, heavens, my, my brain is, is like a pinball right now. You know when you're just thinking, Lord God, you are amazing. He's amazing, isn't he? Isn't he so loving and amazing? And, you know, this message, I've really, um, I've struggled with it more than I struggle with messages. The way God speaks to speakers is all different. We're all different. And I tend to just get it in its entirety straight away. When I know I'm speaking, God goes, do this. And I've got it all. You know, I read the word and it's all there. And it's totally, I just got to write it down. God gives you that. But this was, I've had to battle to get this. And so I'm not used to that. And so I am way out of my comfort zone this morning. Coupled with, we haven't got the head mic on, so I don't look like Britney Spears. And I've only got two hands. And it's really, really, really difficult. That all the time. So wait. Spectral. On. So I can see this. And the first thing I need to address is, last time I spoke, I talked to you about raspberries on this picture. Yes? And it caused a furore. A furore, I tell you, because people are going, no wonder you're wrong, I see no raspberries. Watch and learn. Ah, because prayer is about to be answered. Raspberry. You see it? <laughs> you all see it now? You will never unsee it. <laughs> Every time you look at that, you'll go, raspberry. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. That wasn't what God wanted to say. So, we are going to be looking at the word of God, which I love. And first up, can we put the verse up from Thessalonians? This is the first letter to the Thessalonians from Paul. I love Paul. I blinking love him. And I love that God gave him to us to teach us and admonish us and bring us on. And all his letters are different. Do you know what I love about Paul? He was all things to all people. And his letters show it, don't they? You know, you get in Ephesians that amazing book about what church should be. Philippians, he's teaching you all about what a Christ-like relationship is like. In Galatians, he's telling us, you know what your life should look like? Here's the fruit of the Spirit. This is what has gone. This is what you are. And in Thessalonians, and I love this, Thessalonians is practical and pragmatic. Yeah? So he really was all things to all people. This is no less spiritual than all the other letters. But he is saying, this is the nuts and bolts of what you do. This is the nuts and bolts of how we live. This is the nuts and bolts of what I did when I was with you, living out the life of the Lord. And what I want to focus on today, this is about change. I'm speaking on change. The last three messages from Phil, Ian, and Irwen. I nearly called her my mother for the purposes of the tip. She is my mother. Um... <laughs> But Iren, those messages have been all about change, have they not? And engaging yourself with God in the most personal of personal relationships to affect meaningful change in our lives that then spill out into the lives of others. Amen? Yes. Because we are blessed to be a blessing. Do you see? 
We are not blessed to bless ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. And we are meant to change into the image of the living God, the likeness of Christ himself. We are co-heirs with him. And that is what we bring to people. Yes? And you do that whether you're talking about church, whether you're talking about Jesus, or whether you're saying, when we were with you, we worked hard. So you didn't have to pay for us. Do you see Can you see? It's about the totality of your relationship with Jesus. It's not about removing him to the periphery. It's not about keeping Jesus for Sunday best. Which is what a lot of us do. We give our best on a Sunday and we forget about him on Monday. So the totality of our life. We don't keep Jesus for spiritual times, spiritual places and spiritual people. We put Jesus at the center of everything we are and we live our lives like that. Amen? Amen. And this is what this is saying. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were, like, we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We, were lo- we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. It's just a throwaway couple of verses. These are not the verses in the Bible that people... It's not John 3.16, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's not Isaiah 53, is it? You know, this isn't one of the ones that you're in Sunday school going, you need to learn First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Because all it talks about is, when we were with you, we did you right, didn't we? That's what it says. When we were with you, we didn't ask you for anything, but we just loved you and did our bit. Amen? Yeah. That's all today is about. It's about loving people and doing your bit. Okay, that's not the title. That would be rubbish. That would be a rubbish. And I am rubbish at titles, but that would be a particularly bad title. Love Jesus, do your bit. Right. But change has three elements. It's developmental. Yes. It's transitional. And it's transformational. So you move through it all. The developmental part is the normal growing up. Brain development, getting older. Things change. The things that are important to you when you're 17 and not important to you when you're 46. Yeah? That that should happen. Right? That should happen. So the stuff that is really, you know, life and death at 17 should not bother you a bit when you're 46. It should not be a life and death situation if you can't download Drake. Right? You know, it should not be a life and death situation every time you have words with your friends, those petty arguments and things, because we know, because of brain development, for young people, their friends become almost as important as their family. Right? And that is normal development. But when you're 46, that stops, because you love everyone the same as a Christian, right? So you don't have to get involved in that pettiness. Do you see? So all that, oh my gosh, she just snapchatted that, can't believe it, should not be happening when you are 46. Right? Just general stuff, this is. The transition stuff is where change happens and processes change to make things run more efficiently. We are not asking you to cut off a leg. Right? So when those changes happen, people struggle with change. We find change difficult. But that change, again, is a normal element of change that happens all through your life. What would we have done without dishwashers? Right? But remember, imagine the first one going, well, I shall refuse to use it because I rather like just standing over a sink being here for four hours. I don't. Load up that baby. Right? <laughs> no way. You change with that. Changing jobs. These are all natural processes if you embrace them. 
You see, if you embrace change, not only do you grow, you grow others. You help others grow. And then there's transformational change. And that, you know, in Phil series Thrive, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Where you find out where you're planted, what you're rooted in, and you change. Is that okay? People are like that. I shall refuse to listen to you if you're going to talk about change, Andrea, for I find it discomforting. We all do a bit, but change is inevitable. What is it, Heraclitus, that you said last week, isn't it, about constant change? It's a recurring theme in our lives. It isn't that we have to change constantly in order to be doing something or anything. It's that it's an inevitable part of our life to change. And you can either go with it or you can fight against the tide. Because that's what it is. Change is happening, but you can choose to stay the same. And that's at every level of our lives, including our relationship with Jesus. Yeah? People have just gone like that. Andre, can we go back to his praises ever on my lips? You know, we like that bit. But you know what? I have prayed. I have been awake all night because I started this message. I woke up and God said, change it. So I was doing my notes at 8.30 this morning. Because I revisited the message and I thought, I'm going to revisit this with fresh eyes. It's all going to be amazing. I'm going to look at it through the lens of love. I was actually thinking words like that. That's how pathetic I was being yesterday. The sun was out. I was feeling great, you know. And I thought, it got me this morning. I thought, no, 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 no. You've changed. Right? You've changed. All you've done is rehash a message. What I need you to do is look at that. How does it apply to you? How have you changed? Now give it. Whoa, okay? There have been seismic changes in my life in the last four and a half years. Huge, huge things. People I consider my best friends, we no longer have anything to do with. What? My heart is filled with forgiveness. I refuse to be bitter about any of this, but it happened. And things changed that I did not expect to change. And now I am here and I am as happy as a clam, let me tell you. Because God is good. And I had to submit to that change. Not be compliant with it. Do you understand the difference? So it isn't about being compliant with the change and just going along with it. You submit and are obedient to the change that God is bringing into your life. And you say, though you cast me down yet, I will praise you. It was devastating for me and my family. Am I right, ma'am? I ran. <clears throat> you know? <laughs> it was devastating. But God was with us every step of the way and he was good. And he said, this is change. And it's hard, but change. If you don't, fine. Fine. I'll always love you. You'll always love me. But oh, Andrea, there is a road ahead of you and you will not walk it. If you don't submit to this change with me. You know what, what, what Martin Luther said? Faith is taking the first step and you don't even see the top of the staircase. You've just got to do it. It's brave and it's good. And then I got to this, this message that I look back at. And it's this fell in the Bible. Can we put Genesis up? Because this got me thinking about me. I'm not very good at being vulnerable. Mostly because I'm amazing. <laughs> Jen, you really think I have nothing to be vulnerable about? I'm like, well, Lord, that's not true about me. Let's crack on. And, and you know, like you, you, but God goes, yeah, Andrea, Andrea, yeah. he puts up with a lot from me, in fairness, does God. And, you know, and then he goes, ready, ready, stop the, stop the flim flam now, because I'm talking. I'm like, oh, all right. 
and then he takes you through stuff and memories. Oh, I hate memories. Some memories are lovely, aren't they? Not the nice memories I'm talking about. You know the horrible memories? Those memories? Yeah, we've all got those aren't nice, are they? But we've all got them. But they're just memories. They don't inform anything. But we have to go through them sometimes and process them, don't we? Because I don't live in a memory. I live in the reality. And God's going, you know what? If it's still there, you need to deal with it and move on. So there's stuff that's being dealt with still. I don't need to think that I'm up here, sort of some invulnerable, super duper human being. Although if you want to think that I have marvelous dress sense, that's fine. You know, but it is, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I am human. I am human. I don't think, oh gosh. How can she relate to anything I'm going through? No, maybe I can't relate to the stuff you are going through, but actually I've been through my own stuff. Okay? So that makes us, that doesn't make me better than you, it doesn't make you better than me, it makes us equal because we're all going through our own stuff. Yeah? So we're going to go to this. This is amazing. Do you know once I spoke out to a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on Sarah and I told you all, would you mind reading the book of Genesis? Did you? I'll take that as a no. Right, so. (laughs) But you should have because it's, Fabulous. And we are talking about Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Jacob, 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 Jacob. Jacob was a rotter. An absolute rotter. He was a liar. He was a grasper. He was a thief. He he was an absolute pathological liar. Am I right, Ian? Oh, do you know? Do you know next time I speak, can I borrow your t-shirt so I can just stand in front of you with vengeance on my... Uh, but he was he lied about the lot lied about his name when he met his wife didn't say who he was lied about his being his brother to his blind father to steal his inheritance yeah he's a peach isn't he you know he lied about the lot and Esau his brother and he he knew this was coming Jacob you see he had to be reconciled to him for 20 years he'd been on the run hoping that he wouldn't bump into Esau because Jacob stole the blessing, the birthright from his father. So Esau didn't get it. But he had been on the run. Esau is his skeleton in the closet. Okay? The big secret he didn't want to talk to anyone about. But Esau is there. And he's going to meet him. So we read this? Shall we? Yes, let's do that. That night Jacob got up and took his two maids, wives, his two maidservants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man said, oh no, I've said that. Is that it? No. Hang on. Yep. Then he said to him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Do you know what? Jacob had to be reconciled with three things. His brother, his God, and himself. Right? You can't do one without the other. can't do one without the other. There was a whole heap of reconciliation that had to go on. And today, the change I want to ask you all to make is to be reconciled. Reconciled with yourself. 
be reconciled with anybody or anything that has come against you and has caused you to create a narrative in your life that is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be reconciled to yourself. This is key. This is key. You see, we want to be effective, don't we? I'm not saying it's the calling on all of us to be on some platform somewhere preaching to thousands, but we shouldn't even want that. We should want our life to be a testimony to those that we are walking around and doing our life with. If I can recommend a book to you, it's this. It's amazing. It's down to earth spirituality. This is about finding God in the nuts and bolts of your day. This is about finding God when you're doing the dishes. You know, perhaps we don't all have the opportunity to be in some prayer cupboard having, you know, five hours of prayer, you know, prostate and fasting every day. I don't. But I make time to spend with God every day. And if that's walking my dog, (laughs) right? Or making the tea, that's as valid as if you're Martin Luther and walking upstairs on your knees. Right? Right? None of you believe me. Do you all think you have to be doing something super spiritual to be having a relationship with God? See, this is what the practicality and the pragmatism comes in. Is that we think our lives need to be something that they're not. And if we haven't got time for it, then we don't do it. But what you're missing out on is relationship with Jesus Christ. Because your whole life is a relationship, is it not? And this is what has happened. So ask yourself what you're struggling with. Who are you struggling with? Who am I struggling with? Is it someone? Is it something? What is the struggle that you are going through? Because you will wrestle all night with it. And here, this is a steadfast, resolute wrestling that culminates in Jacob grabbing the shoulder of the angel of the Lord, as it turns out, and saying, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. So in the midst of your struggle, I've God by the scruff of the neck and say to him, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And he's going, do you know what the Bible is littered, full of these tussles, where God asks you to contend with his will? Yeah? yeah. Read your Bibles if you don't trust me. It's all in there. When Abraham stands before God and says, ah, but you won't destroy God if there's one good man in there, will you? And God's going, I'll destroy it if I want. And Abraham says, no, 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 please. I'm appealing to you, to you, Lord. You won't destroy it if there's one good man in there. And God says, I'll rescue the one good man. God wants you to contend with him. In the midst of your struggle, God wants you to contend with him. God wants you to call out to him. What are you doing this for? What are you teaching me here? How can I do this? Bless me, Lord. Bless me so that I can bless others. Are you hearing this? Because we get stuck in the struggle. Do you understand? And then we just become obsessed with the struggle. And we build a narrative in our lives that is victimhood instead of victory. Right? Death is swallowed up in victory. You get that, right? When Jesus came, he ended all of that. We have just praised him for it. But we don't live it very often. If his praise is always on my lips, then criticism of others shouldn't be. Right? Criticism of myself shouldn't be. Blaming others for where I am shouldn't be if his praise is always on my lips. See, Job got it right, didn't he? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that our attitude? Is this challenging? Yes. Yes. Because change is challenging. And it's hard. Lee, can we have the first picture up? I'm about 
to make you all feel a little bit better. Don't panic. Is it coming? Hey! Oh, oh, everyone's going. Oh, baby animals. She's going to stop talking any minute because this is all horrible and tough. Breathe through your noses. It'll be fine. Right. Joseph Parry is not allowed to answer this question. Yeah. There are perks to being the mother of someone speaking. And then there are... Right. Shush, Daniel. Right. I have shown you this in YABC, those of you who go to YABC. I imagine none of you were listening to me. That's fine. Can anybody tell me what this animal is? No, Joseph. No, Lee. I told Lee as well. The cheetahs in the room are not allowed to answer. Take a guess. Oh, mother! Oh, get her a prize. Get her a prize. It is an axolotl. Look at it. Isn't it lovely? Look at his little fingers. What is an axolotl? I hear you cry. Thank you, James. I'll answer you. I'll speak to you because nobody else is interested, it would appear. An axolotl is very similar to a salamander. Except for very interesting things. It is indigenous to Mexico. You will never find an axolotl anywhere else. You can forget. Garnant does have not any axolotls. <laughs> yeah. Although I was there last week and jury's out. Um, so there are lakes in Mexico where these are found. And they are very similar to salamanders, but they are different in one key way. They never reach metamorphosis. So they will remain in their immature baby state, even as adults. And that's, I know, but who cares, right? (laughs) But there's only one reason why. If they remain in the correct level of water, they will never reach adulthood. In order to become mature, their environment has to change. The water levels have to drop. That's the only time they grow up. If your environment is pushing you in, is forcing some sort of complex emotions. If there's stuff going on that you have to process, be aware. Now, Ian spoke on this when he, a few weeks ago. Sometimes the consequences of our actions are the things that make us change and want to address them. If the circumstances in your life are making you change, it's because God wants you to change. If you want to stay a baby forever, stay where you are. That's fine. But you can't expect the world around you to accommodate and maintain that. Got it? Because if the rest of us are growing and you choose to remain like this, cute, but immature, immature, that is up to you. It will always have gills, not lungs, unless it leaves the water. And sometimes we have to leave where we're comfortable and change. And that isn't easy, is it? Because environments are comforting, they're nurturing, they give us everything we need, we grow there, we are loved there, but that can be the very thing that enables you rather than empowers you, and you will not achieve the plan that God has for you. That's the bottom line. You know, we love that verse, don't we? That he's got a plan for us to build us up. But if we choose to not change then we are believing in nothing more than a fairy tale magic wand God who is going to do only good for me no matter what I do for myself. So I don't have to do anything. 
my life will just roll along as lovely as possible. And I don't have to do anything. So there is a practiced um, behavior system that goes into all of this. I am checking. I will talk and talk and talk. I apologize. There's a practiced behavior system. And that behavior system begins with things called negative automatic thinking. Okay? Negative automatic thinking that kept Jacob on the run for 20 years lying to everyone he met. Scheming to get what he wanted for himself. Because your brain is naturally self-preservational. So you will only ever want to do things that keep you safe. Right? It is, isn't it? Have you posted that letter? Yeah. No, I haven't. But I know if I say I haven't, I might get a row. So I'll say, yeah, because that's not an important lie, is it? Do you see what I mean? Is tea ready? Yeah. No, it's not. It's 15 minutes away, but, you know. These can be all inconsequential things, but the fact is, if you are a practiced liar, you are a liar. (laughs) Everyone's like that now. Oh, Andrea, his praise was ever on my lips a minute ago. (laughs) You know, and now you're telling me I'm a liar. We all lie. We lie to ourselves. And negative automatic thinking does that. So there are groups and clusters of thoughts that immediately blame other people for what's happening to you. Negative automatic thinking. Doesn't matter, does it? If you're a Christian, you own all of it. And you deal with it because you love other people. Are you with me? There's things where you jump to, co- jump to conclusions. So you add two and two up and come to five. So somebody has done something, then in a totally random series of events, somebody has done something else, but that was all designed to get at you. Negative automatic thinking. You know what? You've had a brilliant day. You've had the best day. Everything has gone like clockwork, and then one thing goes wrong, and your day's been rubbish. You've forgotten all the good stuff. Everything's been a disaster. Negative automatic thinking. And those are from years of training yourself to believe that the world is against you and not for you. But your Father in heaven is for you, not against you. So who are you choosing to believe? Esau divested himself of everything. He knew he had to be reconciled to his brother. He knew that he had to send all his family. And believe me, he was sending away Joseph and Rachel, his prized possessions, because that's what they were back in those days. The woman he loved, the woman he worked seven years to get. And his baby, that was his pride and joy. He had to send them away because he had to meet his brother to put things right. You see, when you get reconciled to yourself and God, you have to be reconciled to your brother. <laughs> You're all acting like you've heard this for the first time. Or that this is something that maybe, you know, I was reading this going, do you really want me to say this? Because this doesn't apply to me. And God is like, remember this? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it does apply to me. <laughs> it applies to us all. I do not for one second believe that you were all sitting there going, this, none of this applies to me. Well, that's not me. Then I ask you to take a look at yourself. To let everything, divest yourself of everything. Every false belief about other people. Every false belief about yourself. Every bit of guilt and shame that you have hung on to and have created a narrative for your life that is contrary to the plan and love and gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. You are not your past. You are not the thing that that person did to you. You are not the thing that that person said about you. So stop holding it against them. You are a child of God. Are you not? We, as a collective, the church, we are the bride of Christ. If you meant even one word of that song we just sang, let it go. Leave it. 
Be reconciled with your brother. Be reconciled with your God. Be reconciled with yourself. That might mean huge changes for some of you, but change you must if you wish to carry on and be a blessing to others through the grace of our God. And he's a living God. Am I, am I speaking, am I speaking in Dutch? Because honestly, that's a, am I saying things that, are, or am I speaking in such error? Phil will have to pick me up on this later. That, you know, am I, because none of us want to believe that this is us. None of us want to believe that we're Jacob. We want to be that beautiful little cute axolotl swimming around in a tank where everybody feeds us. Oh, you look cute. Let me give you some titbits. Pat me on the head like a puppy and send me away. I'll be happy. No. You know what? Get trained. Get trained. Start loving people. Abandon the narrative that has made up the bulk of your life. It is gone. You with me? Divest yourself of it. Send it across the river and prepare to meet with your God. For the first time as you. Can we put the next slide up, Lee? You see, I was all het up about this. And I thought, this isn't it. There's something else. There's something else. There's something else. And then I realized, you see, last time I preached out of Genesis 32. But it's all about Genesis 33. Where Jacob meets Esau. And his identity in that. He's already struggled with God. And God's told him, who are you? Who are you? What's your name? Do you know what? Are you your name? Are you the things that people have said to you? Are you the things that people have done to you? Are you your name? Are you that person? Well, you know what? Change it. Jesus gives him a new name. He's now Israel. He's not Jacob. A prophetic word over his life for himself, for his family, and all his descendants. You see, when we only focus on ourselves, we forget our families and our descendants. And the people around us. Now our children, if we have them, are our most beloved thing. But if you are just focusing on your own grievances, you are forgetting about your children. Sorry, you are. We are. All of us. Because if for one second I allow my son to see any of the bitterness I might be harboring for things that have happened to me in the past, I am destroying him. Right? If you allow your children to be infected by what has happened to you, and it might have been terrible. I'm not minimizing anybody's life and struggle here. Please believe me. That is not what I'm doing. But I'm bringing us to a place of reality and practical change, which says, I don't want this to carry on anymore. And I will not let it happen to my children. Right? And I will not let it happen to the people around me in my church. And I will not let it happen to the people around me in my work. It takes courage to grow up and be who you were meant to be. To be who you really are. This is a line from a poem, one of my favorite poets, E.E. Cummings. Look up his stuff. It's quite marvelous. Okay? See, you find God everywhere, don't you? You can find God when you're reading a bit of poetry. You find God when you're walking your dog. You can find God when you're looking at pictures. But you will find him when you look for him. With all your heart when you look for him. But to look for him, you have to stop thinking about yourself. Because you can't find God when you're looking for you. You have to do it this way. You find God first, then you be reconciled to yourself. And then you're reconciled to your brother. You know, what I love about this 
is that he absolutely treats Esau with the honor that he deserves. He stole from him. It says in chapter 33 that not only did he apologize to him, but before he got to that point, he had sent off heaps and heaps of treasure and animals to say, I'm sorry. And when he met him, he saw him in the distance and he bowed to Esau seven times before they met. And when they got to each other, Esau grabs him and hugs him and says, my brother. And Jacob says to him, my Lord. It is exactly the same language that is used in the New Testament for the prodigal son. Reconciliation is a holy business. Got it? When you are reconciling yourselves to people, you are doing God's work. It is a holy business. And we forget in our everyday life that wherever we walk as Christians is holy ground. Yeah? You know, back when Joshua was fighting, a soldier came to him and they stopped him and said, whose side are you on? And the angel said, I'm on no one side. I'm on the side of the Lord. You come to me and take your shoes off because wherever you stand is holy ground. Do you understand that wherever you stand is holy ground? Do you understand that wherever you stand is holy ground? So that when you stand on that ground, you are shining God's light. Does it not then come to us that we are the light through Jesus? And wherever I stand, I shine his light. Not spread gossip. What? Come on. Come on. Not spread strife. Not stir it up. You know what? It's been tough this week. It's been one of the best weeks I've had professionally and one of the worst weeks I've had professionally. Why? Because of that. Because of stirring. Because of gossiping, which leads to misunderstanding, which leads to strife, which leads to, before you know it, you're walking into a room and conversations stop. And you're like, oh, right. What do we do now? But you know what? If way back, way back, way back, I was at the start of it, Doing a bit of that, doing a bit of stirring, doing a little bit of gossiping, saying this, saying that, maybe this, maybe that, guess what? Then I am directly responsible for that being turned against me at the end, aren't I? <laughs> Live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? But you tackle that in a godly way. What you don't do is take offence. What you don't do is think, well, I can't believe they're doing that. And go down a practised narrative. Which is, people are being horrible, and I'm lovely, and they should be nice. Everyone should be nice to me all the time, because I'm lovely. And if they're not nice to me, then I'm not going to talk to them, and I'm going to be horrible to them, because they're horrible to me. Hey, respect isn't given, it's earned. Oh, don't start me off. I'm going to do a speak one day of all the positive thinking memes that you can get. You know, I'll respect you if you respect me. No, I'll respect you anyway, even if you don't respect me. Because I love you. Because God loves me. Right? Speak the truth at all times. You know what? Just tell people what you think of them. No! Speak the truth in love at all times. Because I love you. Because God loves me. Do you know, we do this to ourselves. And before you know which church, you have sown a famine into your life. You talked about Harvestville. There will be nothing to reap. There will be nothing to reap. You sow to the wind, you reap a whirlwind. There will be nothing for you to reap because of what you have sown back, which is why reconciliation is so important, because God makes up for everything the locust has eaten. Yes? Yeah. 
This is a tale of hope. This is a tale of joy. Jacob is reconciled to his brother. They are reconciled. And from Jacob, the whole tribes of Israel, all the descendants come, don't they? Don't they? So I'm asking you, you know, verse 30, chapter 33 is the thing. And I get tell you what, Jacob walked with a limp. When God came to him, his encounter with God meant he could live it properly from now on. Delight yourself in the Lord. But you know what? Once you have encountered God, you will be different. My mother always says this about this verse of the Bible. If you've really encountered God, you'll have a limp. Never trust anyone who doesn't walk with a limp. Our scar tissue is nothing to be ashamed of. For in my weakness, he is made great. You with me? Paul had everything. Paul gave it all up. I love Paul. And he still had his thorn in the flesh. That thing that kept him awake at night. And God said, you've got me. That's enough. Do you understand? We all have our things. King David murdered somebody. Right? To get his wife. Solomon had hundreds of wives and concubines and worshipped other gods. Yeah? Gideon was frightened. All these people, all these people have their scar tissue, have their limp. Don't be ashamed of your limp. It meant that God healed you. Don't be ashamed of it. In fact, thank God for it. Don't pretend to be perfect. Don't pretend you've done nothing wrong. There's no point in it. What's the point in me pretending I've done anything wrong? I've got people in my life who will tell you exactly what I'm like. Right? Don't go and speak to them after. Don't. Okay? Just live with this image of me. But I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in this. Okay? Allow God to guide you through reconciliation. But in order for him to do that, you have to be reconciled to him. Can we put Thessalonians back up, Lee? Just to end up with. Finish up with, rather. All I want to say is... Allow the struggle that you're going through and everything that has happened with you not to make you a victim or to practice a narrative of victimhood where you are just, you know, at the mercy of every emotion you feel. Instead, allow it to ignite a passion in you for the Lord your God and to do the things of the Lord your God and to desire to see his plan and his will spread across our lives. Allow it to become channel what once was so negative into something that sets your life alight for Jesus Christ. And not just for your own sake, but for your families and your friends, but also for the people of God in your life. Because this isn't ours to keep, is it? Is it? We share it. I'm asking you. I'm beseeching you. I'm praying for you that whatever it is, that is keeping you from being reconciled to yourself, to God, and to the people in your lives, that you will have power and victory over that thing in the name of Jesus Christ, now and forever and ever and ever, for his glory. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.